Warning, this episode contains details about slavery and torture and may not be suitable for all ages. Please listen at your own discretion. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Badass Broadcast. The podcast about badass broads. What do we do, Carrie? (laughs) We tell stories about really super duper badass women in history, um, any, any era of history, uh, that have, you know, done cool stuff done. Yeah. And broken the glass ceiling and defied the odds and, um, challenged the stereotypes of what it means to be a woman Mm -hmm. and what we are capable of as women. And, uh, yeah, my name is Carrie. My name is Shalom. And we're sisters and we're, um, co-hosts. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we normally record in my house, but today but we are in a different place. Today we're in my new apartment. Yes, because we can. Yeah. And I, I like it here. What do you think of my new place? This is your first I time I think it. it's very cozy. It's, um, it's got a lot of potential. It's very, it does have a Meaning lot of potential. it looks like shit. <laughs> but it, it has a lot of potential. It's also, you've got, you're kind of a minimalist anyway, so... Yeah. I don't know how much more, like I, I, I see this place and I would do you, a lot more oh, to it. You would put like a thousand more things in it. I, I, I don't like super clutter, but I am like, I know my aesthetic is more on the slightly cluttered you side. You like organized clutter. Yes. I don't have <laughs> a bunch of stuff. I'm not like a collector of things, but I do like yeah more stuff. Um, what I was thinking though, cause for a long time I was like, I really like having blank walls. And at one point I lived in an apartment with a roommate and one wall was all bricks, but it was painted white. So it had some character to it. Mm-hmm. So I preferred to leave it blank. And I was like, oh, I, I really like having blank walls. But then this week I was just like, nah, I need stuff on my walls because yeah. this place, it just looks not right, you know? It, and I think it'll really like homify it. It'll make it yeah. more homey. I mean, it's it's nice the way it is, but it doesn't look like you have fully, completely like no. yeah, it's obviously made it just home yet. In. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you if it looked like this five years from now, then it would be like, oh, you're weird or like... like oh, thanks. <laughs> Like you just moved in, yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, I would, I would definitely have stuff on the walls and more stuff mm-hmm. anywhere. Anyway, it's nice though. I'm very happy Thank for you. Thank you. So, anyway. how was your week? It was so good. It's been busy these days at work, so it makes me happy. What about you? My my work <laughs> has. Um, slowed a bit like the chaos is not there that that there was a couple months ago for my job anyway um I've, I've gotten through the backlog which takes care of a lot of the stress of my job okay and it sort of comes and goes like it comes in waves but this was like the last few months has been like a really big wave of just like being behind constantly and now I feel like I'm finally getting yeah. to be like on top of things. That's good. For once. Um, work yeah. is such a boring topic. I think we should just ban work from the topic. <laughs> Unless something really, really exciting happens, which yeah. is not going to happen very often. Like a lot of exciting stuff is happening at my work, but I do but sign an NDA, talk so about I can't it. talk about it. <laughs> but, but then also like there's nothing really super exciting happening in life. Yeah, no, that's true. So, but we did. We just took a drive because I was like, "Oh yeah." I got off work and I texted you. I'm like, "I just want to go for a drive," and you're like, "Pick me up." Yeah. So <laughs> I came, and then we came here. So, yeah, yeah. And we would have recorded in the car, except I don't think we'd get very good sound. So no, not with the heater definitely going, not. Um, but no, that was fun to just kind of get out on the road and um, to not be the one ha- driving. Yeah. Because we went in your car, which I've never done before. Yeah. So that was nice. Cool, cool. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Okay, so um, I was going to tell a dog story, but I don't know how many dog stories you want to hear. <laughs> Ugh. Maybe we should put a moratorium on the dog stories, too. Uh, but I have nothing else to talk about because my okay. life is... I think... Uh, the world is the same. <laughs> I think everyone feels that way. But I think that, um, what was I going to say? 
Oh, it is February. So that means yes, that it's Black History Month. So that means that we're going to focus yeah. on four amazing Black women this month. Yes. Um, and I mean, we always try to keep it diverse regardless. Um, so... So they could be from any anywhere in the world. Like a lot of, if you Google like um, prominent or significant or important like Black women throughout history, a lot of the ones that come up are like African American from the states and civil rights movement and all that stuff. So I personally, anyway, I'm trying to branch out from that specific. um, Yeah, it's so easy to fall into that though. Demographic and uh, and to broaden that to like other. Um, eras in history and other parts of the world as well. Yeah. So um, you're not going to hear like all the standard ones probably like, you know, every single week anyway, mm-hmm. um, at least not from my perspective. So today we have a very um, one that I, I had never heard of before. I'm really excited because you were like, I swear you've never heard of this one before. I, and and did, I'm, I don't know. I have I, a list for this month. So I'm like... I had never heard of this person. There's a lot of articles about her. Um, there are some like YouTube shorts and stuff like that. And I heard one podcast, but um, it's a, she's a Canadian woman. Okay. I mean, from pre-Canada. Uh, she was a, now, okay. Stop giving me hints. Just tell okay. me. <laughs> so her name was, I'm going to try this. Everything's French today. Marie-Joseph-Angelique. Oh, nice. Um, have you ever heard of her? No, I don't think so. I mean, it sounds familiar, but it also sounds like every other French name. <laughs> I don't know. They'll start with Marie, and there's always like a hyphenated name in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joseph-Angelique? Yeah. Okay. Marie-Joseph-Angelique. Dite Angelique meaning she was called Angelique. So that's the name that she kind of went by. Okay. Um, And we'll tell you how she got that name. So what do you know or do you know about slavery in Canada? I know very little. I know about um, internment camps on the West Coast, and I know about the... um, You're talking like World War II era? Like the Japanese? Yes. Okay. And also no. the residential schools. Yeah. No, I'm talking like actual slavery. This is something that we are not taught about in school. Not at ne- all. Not even mentioned. I honestly did not even know that Canada was part of the slave trade, had any part to do with it. No, because we were always taught that Canada was the Mecca. And that's yes. where like people like were, we're the running, promised land. Yeah. Coming north during to freedom. Yes. From the States. Absolutely. Okay. And our, our role in that is like, is not to be diminished, obviously, because that was very important. And I'm, I'm talking about a period in time that was before that, okay. um, like a century before that. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like New France, like British North America. Um, so, um, uh, so I'm going to just do a little bit in the uh, history of the slavery, slavery in Canada. So um, it, it was different from the American situation in that we didn't have the plantations with like huge workforces. Obviously, mm-hmm. the population was smaller. The proportion of slaves in Canada was a lot smaller than the proportionate, you know, population in the States. Um, so they weren't, they weren't exposed to like the same type of brutal, you know, hard labor that is fam- familiar in our mind with like slavery down South or whatever. Yeah. But nonetheless, um, it was still, it was, it was not like, that's not to say that slavery in Canada was like a pleasant experience because you're yeah. still a slave. Yeah. You're still exposed to multiple types of abuse, physical, sexual, um, you're, um, they're more, more often found in like domestic kind of situations, like domestic servants kind of, yeah. um, <clears throat> and, uh, we didn't have as long of a period of slavery as like the States. Like it was like 
So when did it, when did it stretch from? So, um, well, from the beginning, slavery by Europeans has been part of like New France and New England, British North America from the beginning, because that, that was common back in Europe. Yeah. So they just brought it over. So, um, and when they didn't have it at home, they went out and saw, (laughs) saw it out, right? They just call it colonizing (laughs) instead of. Slavery. Yes, but, but the act of, act of like the transatlantic slave trade, bringing slaves over and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, they're in the, uh, I guess, like um, late 18th century, sort of attitudes sort of started to change. And uh, some of the different, uh, I don't know, they weren't provinces then, but the different territories in Canada sort of began to create laws against it. Uh, like in 1793, the, there was the Anti-Slavery Act of Upper Canada, which is okay. now Ontario. Um, 1807, transatlantic slave trade was abolished across the British Empire. And that by that time, uh, what is now Canada had sort of been taken over by the British. The, mm-hmm. the French were not quite so prominent anymore. They're still there. But it's more like it's ruled basically by the British at that point. So by transatlantic slave trade, meaning you can't bring any more new slaves over. You can't yeah. go and capture new slaves. You know, that's that's it. But if you are already a slave, if you already do own slaves, that maintains good. a status quo. Yeah. And then um, I believe in that same same around that same period. Um, at least in part of, I think it like still in Ontario, there were new laws where like you, once you, if you were a slave, once you turned 25, you would then be set free oh, wow. kind of thing. Um, so they're like, it's easing up, but it still does take time. It takes time it's still like for massive. Let's fight with your, <laughs> sorry, let's fuck with your psyche until you're 25 and you have no, Education, you have no, yeah, like you know, understanding of how to, you know, operate your own life as an adult, like, yeah. But I mean, this is how progress works throughout history. Like, yeah, you, people know. know that it's wrong, but they can't just go and they can't be just like, turn okay, it off. they can't why? just do. I don't know why. Why can't you say, okay, it's wrong? Period. Like, end of story. Everybody's free. You know, yeah. Like our economy wasn't so highly dependent on it, like in the South, for yeah, labor, but, right? Um, but um, okay, so in eighteen thirty four, empire wide, it was abolished, um, and I think I think because it was never part of like the Confederacy of Canada. Yeah. Like that happened in 1867. So this is like a good three decades after it's been completely abolished in mm-hmm. British North America. I think that kind of makes it a little easier for us to forget and to, to pretend that it's not part of Canadian history. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still, that's new France and all that stuff, you know, the 17th century, 18th century, there were people over here, they were laying the foundations for Canada. It's still part of our history. Yeah. And it should be mentioned. It should be talked about. And I don't know, like all the Canadian history that we took in school, we never learned about this at all. No. It was not even mentioned once. No. Not a single time. I never knew about this until a few days ago. And I'm learning about it for the first time here. So It's, yeah. So, yeah. Education. (laughs) Our history is, we, we like to think of us as like the nice people. We're Canadians. Yeah. We're nice, friendly, you know, like... But in order to improve, you need to acknowledge your flaws. And if a country can't do that, then as a whole, you will never get better. You will never improve. Our history is just as ugly as the American history. It's just that we have a tenth of the population, and so we don't... We like to... And our history is, as a country, is not as long. Yeah. So... And because America was already America by 1776, but I mean, the when slavery didn't... was still normal, they were just like, they just, just keep, because it was, they, they were not under British rule. Britain had yeah. the right to say, okay, we're abolishing slavery in 1834. The U.S. just kept on going with it. And because they were so mm-hmm. dependent on it for the economy. But the settlers didn't come to North America and say, 
oh, oh, that's uh, Canada? Oh, no, no, we're going to stay on this side of the border and stay in Maine. Like, you know what I mean? There's no difference between all along the coast from, like, Labrador to Florida. Like, there is no difference. The settlers came and they just, like... Well, they all came from whether they went to Canada or they went to America. There was no difference at that time. I'm just saying, like, the history is exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just um, African slaves either. There were um, of course, no, indigenous people that were um, enslaved in the same way. They were, they were referred to as penny, um, which is like because they usually came from the Pawnee tribe. Oh, okay. Which I, I think maybe it was just because they were the predominant people in that area. Yeah. Upper and lower Canada. Um, but then that just sort of came to be like the recognized term for any indigenous person who is now a slave is a yeah. penny slave as opposed okay. to the African slaves. But it's the same situation regardless of what you are. Um, so Marie-Joseph Angelique was born in Madeira, which is now part of Portugal around 1705. Mm-hmm. Um, and Portugal was at that point an important player in the Atlantic slave trade. At the age of 20, she was sold to a Flemish merchant. So, like, I mean, we can assume that she was born into slavery. Okay. Yeah. Um, she was sold at the age of 20 to a Flemish merchant uh, named Nicus Block and brought to New England. And there... Um, which, I mean, I can just picture that, like, she came across and was just, like, immediately, like, on the auction block. Like, that's how I yeah. kind of pictured that's basically what they did, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and there was a man, a businessman from Montreal there. His name was Francois Poulain de Francheville. Okay, I'm not writing that one down. <laughs> uh, and he brought her back to Montreal in 1725 to uh, do domestic work in the house for his wife, Therese Cuany, I think, de Francheville. Um, so they called her, or t- Therese, ter- Therese, I'm going to call her Therese. Just I can. call her Therese. Therese. <laughs> um, called her Angelique after their dead daughter. Oh my God, what? Like, why? I, this is what I don't get. Like, people were weird. Yeah. So, like, that is so crazy. You honor your dead daughter by naming your slave after her. So, that like no you, you honor there. like I don't. Yeah, it's, it's just it's so odd. I can't compute. Like, it, it, did you not know any other names or? It was, was just, just like stuck in your head name, and they wanted. A child or someone in their household to be called that. But if, if in your uh, mind this is no. like a piece of property, like yeah, that's so weird. But they changed her name. They didn't. I don't. Like, the, there's, there's no record of what her actual name was. Okay. But they like from then on, like it's we'll refer like, to her as Angelique because when you that's adopt what she was a called. dog, you change their name. Yeah. How? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because oh because you belong to me now, so I'm going to decide what your name is. Stupid. Right? Um, I think your candle went out. Oh, good. Because I forgot it was burning, so it so, just went down the apartment. So she's about 20 years old at this time. Um, of course, she was subjected to, like, abuse. Um, there's nothing, like, specified, but, I mean, this is just, like, regular occurrence back then. Like, yeah. Physical abuse, um, sexual abuse. She was forced to get pregnant by another slave. I think, but like a neighbor's slave, something Cesar. Why? Could, um, Why would they no, force that? The only thing that I can think of is that um, to breed more slaves. Okay. To yeah, to either can... to sell as slaves or to okay. use as slaves. But it, because they were considered as, this is so awful, considered as livestock. Like when you have a cow, you breed the cow oh so God. that you can have the calf. And literally, like they were referred to, oh like female slaves were referred to as breeders because they're breeding more slaves. 
I don't want to hear Especially that. after they abolished the transatlantic slave trade, all you have is the domestic yeah. population to get new slaves from. Oh, my God. So they would force them to, to quote, unquote, breed. That's disgusting. It is. It's absolutely, like, reading it was one thing, but now that uh, I'm saying it, it's just like... I, I don't even want to say these words. I think this whole episode just needs a trigger warning. <laughs> this is fucked up. So she gave birth to three babies who all died in infancy. Oh, my God. So the first one was in 1731. It died after one month. And then the next year she had twins. Mm-hmm. And they died within five months. Oh, my God. It's three babies in two years. Born and died. Um, yeah, that will mess with your mind. Yeah, for sure. So even if you didn't want to have babies with this man, they're still your babies. Yeah. Right? Um, but word, word is, uh, she was not a good slave. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yes. No, in, in the fact that, um, and this is what I love about her, and this is why I chose her, really, yeah. because she just never accepted this lot in life. She never, it didn't break her. Yeah. She never allowed herself to just, like, settle into slave life. And, um, like, there were a lot of, like, uprisings and r- resistances and stuff like that throughout mm-hmm. the history of the slave trade. Um but she, she always had an attitude. She talked back. She pushed back against the boundaries and the rules. I and like I, I relate to her. <laughs> I feel like I would be an awful slave. Yeah. Um, 100%. She would threaten her, um, her mistress, uh, threaten to burn down the house and to roast her. <laughs> <laughs> roast her and serve her for dinner. Kind no, of just like roast her, just burn the house down at night when she's sleeping. <laughs> um, so Francois had uh, promised her freedom upon his death. Now, I don't know if this was like an actual truthful promise, like he really meant it, mm-hmm. or if he was just saying that to kind of appease her. Mm-hmm. Um, but after a few years, in 1733, he, con- he contracted some disease. I want to say smallpox, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, or some other kind of um, flu that or sickness that was yeah. going around, and he passed away. So she thought, "Oh, now I'm going to be free." Yeah. Um, but Therese had other ideas. Yeah. So uh, because there was this constant tension, and Angelique had actually convinced her to fire like an actual. Um, she had a hired girl, like an actual servant who got paid wage. Oh. Um, she convinced her to fire this other girl because she could do the work better. And I think that she was like after, so let me back up a little bit. So after her husband passed away, she decided that she was going to sell Angelique okay. to somebody in uh, Quebec city who was like a, a business associate of her husband. Mm-hmm. And then he was going to like sell her on down the line into the States where she would be forced to do like that hard yeah. labor, like on the plantation or whatever. So Angelique gets wor- wind of this, and so she like starts talking down about this um, this other servant girl, mm-hmm. and convinces Therese to fire her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Therese is like, "Don't worry, don't don't worry. Like as soon as she's gone down to Quebec City, I'll bring you back. I'll let you know." So it's just kind of like to appease her for the time being until the sale goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, so after her husband passed away, Therese took, she took over her husband's business affairs, settling his estate and, and like kind of running his business for a while. He had like mining interests and things like that, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit on the badass side because not many women did that back then. Yeah. So kudos to her for that. <laughs> I'll give her one thumbs up in this regard. And that alone. <laughs> um, so she asked her brother-in-law to keep a, an eye on Angelique, and um, there was another man in the household who was an indentured servant. So same as a slave, basically. Same, but this guy was white from France. Yeah. Um, his name is Claude Thibault. Okay. Um, 
but like an indentured servant is different in that they're paying off a debt, a specified amount. Mm-hmm. So they're there either for a specified amount of time or a specified amount of money that they have to pay off. And then yeah. once that is done, then they are free. Yeah. Right? As opposed to chattel slavery. Yeah. Which is, um, I looked up chattel because I kind of knew what it was, but I wasn't entirely sure. Yeah. But chattel is the movable personal property that can be either animate or inanimate property, such as hogs, furniture, and automobiles. This property can be borrowed against using a chattel mortgage. Chattel comes from the French word chattel, which comes from the Latin word capital. Capitali or something like that. So like your basically, capital. yes, your stock. Mm. Again, livestock. Yeah. So this is what like chattel slavery is like the um, actual owning of a person and you have no say, no, unless they grant you freedom. Yeah. You know, it's at their discretion, right? So anyway, um, Angelique and Claude were actually lovers. Oh. They were a couple. So they're sent over. I don't know if they're like sent to her brother-in-law's house. I would imagine uh, while she was away in Trois-Rivières clearing up all this business stuff. Okay. Um, I want to see a picture of this broad. Well, there's no pictures. It's 1730s. Oh, damn. What am I going to post on Instagram? <laughs> Find it. There's some like artist renderings, I guess. <laughs> So, um, Angelique knew that this sale was pending, but at this point it's winter time. Mm -hmm. And so they have to wait until thaw, till, uh, the St. Lawrence river has thawed out and they can, and the waterways are now free for them to travel by boat down to Quebec city. So she's no, she has a little bit of time here, but not much. Yeah. So her and Claude come up with this plan while Therese is away on business that they're going to um, make their way to New England okay, and get on a ship that's bound for Europe and get back. Like she wants to go back to Portugal and he wants to go back to France. Mm-hmm. So they're going to work together to get across the ocean. So he's going to, like she's going to pretend she's his slave? Yes. Okay. So he's, he's going to be like her white master. Right? I love when people do that in sitcoms. So this is great. <laughs> Yeah, this is total sitcom material. <laughs> Rom-com, hello. I'm just kidding. Totally joking about that. Um, so, yeah, the price for her was 600 pounds of gunpowder. Oh, my God. So, I mean, I guess she, she would have been, I don't know, like, what her value would have been like because she's young still. She's only in her 20s. Um, yeah. But she's also a bad slave, so even yeah, though she's young and strong her, and capable, she has a bad attitude. Like if you're selling her, they don't know that. Maybe not. So I don't know, like how, <laughs> what kind of price that was, comparatively speaking. Um. So the escape, yeah. So they decided to make their way to New England. Blah blah blah. So on February twenty second, seventeen thirty four. She sets fire to her bed as a distraction, and they took off. Um, they fled across the frozen St. Lawrence River. Wait, this is at her owner's brother-in-law's house? Or? Yes. Okay. Um, it might have been at their home in Montreal, and he might have just been staying okay, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Or if he just kind of like had some other home, and you know they were had somebody managing them anyway. Um, gotcha. So they fled across the river, and the St. Lawrence is not a small river. No. Like, that, that would have been... It's kind of a big Kind one. of a trek. That's the one that goes out into the ocean. It gets wider and wider yeah. and wider, right? Um, it would have been quite a trek, and the cold and the wind coming down the river, because, you know... Sorry, what time of year is this? February. Oh, wow. Because they had until th- thaw. Yeah. And they thought, oh, like, nobody's going to expect us, you know, to... I don't yeah. know. Anyway, uh, so they, they were forced to take refuge in Chateau Gay, which is now a suburb of Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I looked it up from where they lived in old, what is now called Old Montreal or Ville Marie, which is an area, which is a very popular tourist area in Montreal, um, where you can see all the buildings that have been there since the 1600s. That's mm-hmm. why I want to go to Montreal only to see the old buildings, <laughs> the buildings. and Quebec City. I'd love to see it, like the really, really old buildings. Yeah. That you don't see anywhere else in Canada because we're so brand new. Yeah. We're still shiny. A hundred years old is old for a building <laughs> around here. Um, so um, now from old Montreal to Chateau Gay is a 24 minute drive. Okay. 24 <laughs> Down minutes. the highway. And That's they had funny. to flee on foot across the frozen river. And um, they, it was just too cold. They couldn't, so they kind of hunkered down there for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they did not get very far because it's, yeah. They were, um, after two weeks, they were caught <gasps> by three militia captains. I put this in here specifically because they're acting as they're in their capacity as a local police. And um, I put that in there because, like, I hear all this stuff about how the police force system, like, in America was founded as a... Now, this is what I've... I didn't do any specific research on this, but this is what I've heard several times over the past little while, that it was founded as basically a militia force to chase down escaped slaves. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So it's the same in Canada. Yeah. Like, these were militia captains, and this was their job to chase down escaped slaves. Mm -hmm. So... They were returned to Montreal. Uh, Claude was sent to jail for about a month. Um, and Angelique, uh, Therese, they, they, they returned her to her master's home. And I think part of that reasoning was because she was set to be sold. So I guess they figured like she's on her way out of here anyway. Yeah. Or like something like that. But she was not sent to jail. Yeah. Um, but, uh, now there was a, one of the differences between slaves in Canada, slaves in the U S the slaves in Canada were able to just kind of like come, come and they were free to walk the streets. They were free to go and visit friends and, and do all those kinds of things. Like Angelique yeah. was able to go and visit Claude in jail and bring him food. Um, she did that a few times. He was only there for a few weeks, but, um, yeah. So there wasn't like this, like you're confined to your home and you can never go anywhere. Mm-hmm. She was still allowed to walk around and have a bit of a social life. And uh, she was supposedly friends with like some of the neighbors, like slaves who lived in other houses. Yeah. Um, I don't know like what her relationship was like with those other enslaved people mm-hmm. in general, but I just know that in her home with her mistress, she, she always had the attitude of like, yeah. A rebellion, which yeah. I love. I love about her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on, so Claude was released on April 8th. On April 10th, this is where the uh, shit hits the fan. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of like the, this big fire in Montreal. There were a yeah. lot of fires, but... <laughs> But uh, because wooden houses with fireplaces. <laughs> oh, okay. That's why. <laughs> Lots of fires all the time. But here's the big one. At 7 o'clock in the evening, and this is, um, I took this right from, oh gosh, what website? Sorry, I don't have the reference for the website, but I'm quoting, it might be, it might just be Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I think it is just Wikipedia. Anyway, so I'm going to read this direct quote or a couple of quotes here because uh, it says it very well. So at 7 o'clock in the evening on Saturday, April 10th, 1734, inhabitants of Montreal were leaving evening prayer when the sentry sounded the alarm. Fire! A fire had started on the south side of Rue St. Paul and was spreading east of Rue St. Joseph. Um, the fire was so intense that the law enforcement officers could not get close to it. Many people tried to take shelter at the Hotel Dieu, which was actually a hospital, and Angelique's house, or Teresa's house, was directly across the street from this Hotel Dieu, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, was again, was a hospital, not like a hotel as we know it today. Yeah. Um, 
So they tried to take shelter there, but due to a strong wind blowing from the west, the fire spread and destroyed the hospital in less than three hours. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah. 45 houses were also destroyed. And due to people taking advantage of the general panic, many items were stolen from homes and from the convent, saluting. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um. And, there, and then there's this journal entry from Sister Veronique Coulier illustrates the suddenness of the fire and the difficulty of trying to control it. The April 10th, 1734... Oh, well, while all was most quiet and our thoughts were far from some fatal mishap, at seven in the evening during our time of leisure, we heard a cry of fire. In the moment, we all rose to catch sight of its whereabouts. It was sighted at a neighboring house. We rushed to contain the fire, but the Lord did not allow us to succeed. All took refuge in our church, thinking that we would be spared, but the flames rose so ardently towards the church, which was just across the street from the burning houses, that we soon found ourselves engulfed. Now, it's big, massive fire, but nobody died. Oh, okay, kind that's of good. Miraculous. Actually, That's 45 insane. houses. Yeah. Um, so rumors began circulating almost immediately that Angelique was the one who had started the fire. Oh, Because why? she had she this had history of threatening to burn the house down <laughs> and roast her, <laughs> her mistress. And had already, she had already lit her bed on fire that first time. Yeah. Um, so... Some speculate that she was trying the same thing again, like to use as a distraction to run away. But there's also evidence and testimony that she had actually taken shelter with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't running away. You think yeah. if, she, if she lit that as a distraction to run away, she would have run away. Yeah. But she didn't. She yeah. stuck around. Um, and Claude was already out of jail. So if, if they were going to try again, like you'd think that they, they would yeah. try again. Exactly. But they didn't. So why not? Why didn't they take advantage of? This I don't situation? know. Carrie, you need to answer for them now. Two hundred and some years later. I'm sorry, they didn't <laughs> record everything on their iPhones back then. Oh, okay, that sucks. Um, <laughs> if they, they just, did, though, can we just say what would iPhone? What would the next iPhone be? iPhone three hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Will we ever get that far? <laughs> Oh, I hope not. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, the rumors may have begun with a neighboring uh, Penny slave girl, which again is an indigenous yeah. slave girl named Marie Manon. Um, and this is one that is, they were supposedly friends, her and okay. Angelique. But apparently she had started this rumor that it was Angelique who had started it. Oh, okay. Or that she had been saying that she, she had specifically yeah. said that she heard Angelique say that her, her mistress wouldn't be sleeping in her house that night. Oh, okay. Which sounds suspect, right? Yeah. Now, who knows if Angelique actually said that? Yeah. But this is what Marie Manon is saying. Um, so... So, yeah, they may have been friends, but who knows how close they actually were, right? So, yeah. Marie Manon is kind of stabbing her in the back here. Who knows? Acquaintances. Because, um, and yeah, there's speculation that perhaps Marie Manon is the one who accidentally started it with, oh. like, you know, at the cooking yeah. stove or whatever. Something got out of hand. Yeah. And if she's, like, in a neighboring house close by, you know. Yeah. They, they didn't have arson investigators back then. They couldn't tell exactly where it started. Yeah. Um, so nevertheless, Angelique was arrested and put on trial. Um, and Claude turned out to be a total douche because he took off right after her arrest. He just split. He's just like, oh, even though she went to see him in jail and like stuck by him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, what a guy. What a dude. So... The French system is uh, very different from what we're familiar with today. Okay. So there's a, here's a little blurb about French versus British law. So since we're in New France, you're not going to be fr- practicing British law. But uh, Great Britain practiced adversarial law, and this is kind of like where our judicial system comes from, you know? Yeah. Two lawyers argued each side of the case before a judge and jury. 
The accused was considered innocent until proven guilty. Okay. Sound familiar? Well, that's what we say it is. Yes. Um, and this is, I, I think this is kind of like the approach that a lot of countries take now. I, I think they took their cue from the Brits in that regard. And also the British Empire is just spread all over the world. So they took that with them. Baby. Yeah. So in New France, it was different. However, the, Fre- the French system was an inqu- inquisitional approach. And this is where it was just you and the judge, who was sometimes the local senior, oh, who didn't okay. even have to be a lawyer, the judge. Yeah. He just had to be familiar with the law. Yeah. Now, you'd have a prosecutor, but you wouldn't have a lawyer to defend you. <gasps> okay. Because lawyers were not allowed to practice in New France. Okay. You couldn't, it was not legal for you to get a lawyer, for you to have a wow. lawyer to defend you in, in the court. So everyone in the room knows the law except for you. It's, um, you plead your case and various witnesses are heard, though each was question, questioned privately by the judge, so no one knew the other's testimony. Okay. The accused was considered guilty until proven innocent, and it was up to the accused person to make their own case and convince the judge of their innocence. Okay. It's completely opposite to what we know today. Um, Although, I mean, sometimes in practice, that's sort of how it seems to play out, where you're guilty beforehand and you have to prove your own innocence. Yeah. Uh, I've never been in a court battle. But then again, we also really hate hearing stories of where, like, the guilty guy is so clearly guilty, but he gets off. Yeah. Because of that or because of the technicality. Because of the technicality. That that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, so cut to the trial. At the time in, in New France, this is what gets me. You could be arrested based on, in quotes, public knowledge. What does if that mean? If the community just agreed that you were guilty. Oh. Yeah. So you start a rumor and it really does and everybody just kind of like i mean something goes viral yeah yeah and everybody knows yeah and then they just arrest you based off of that public knowledge yeah how messed up is that jeez and again like nobody to defend her yeah because she's just a slave girl yeah so during the six-week trial there were many witnesses called none of whom had actually seen her light the fire but they were just certain that she had. Yeah. Um, also, a lot of the testimony was about how bad of a slave she was. Oh, okay. Talking back, having an attitude, being rebellious, um, fighting the confines of her station in life, um, but no actual solid evidence that she was guilty of starting the fire. Yeah. Suddenly, after all this, six weeks later, an eyewitness miraculously appears. Oh. Just out of the woodwork. And who this person is, just shaking my head, rolling my eyes, is a five-year-old girl. Okay. Now, named, um, I don't know how to say this, (laughs) Amable? I don't know how you would say that. Annabelle? No, it's A-M-A-B-L-E. Amabelle? Okay. I don't know how you would say it in, in French either. Um, anyway, but she was a daughter of a relative of Therese. Comes forward to say that she had, been, she had seen Angelique carrying a shovel full of coals up to the attic of the house, which is where the fire was supposed to have originated. Okay. So, um, no, no, no question of whether this little girl was coached or why she suddenly showed up after six weeks of trial. Was she Um, there? Was she hanging out at the house even? Who knows? (laughs) That's beside the point. Yeah. She, she saw Angelique. That's all there is to it. So basically that, that sealed it for the judge and he found her guilty. Yeah. And uh, she, and she was most likely just a scapegoat because somebody had to be blamed, right? Yeah. Um, so the sentence included. I'm going to read right from the. This is from the actual. Um, what it actually said in the old English. So, 
Um, well, this is in English, translated from the old French, I guess. Um, and everything considered, we have declared the said accused, Marie-Joseph Angelique, sufficiently guilty and convicted of having set fire to the houses of Dame Francheville, causing the burning of a portion of the city, in reparation for which we have condemned her to make honorable amends, disrobed a noose around her neck, and carrying in her hands a flaming torch weighing two pounds before the main door and entrance of the parish church of this city, meaning that I think it was the Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, She had to go there. Um, where she will be taken and led by the executioner of the high court in a tumbrel used for garbage with an inscription front and back with the word in French, incendiaire, which mm-hmm. means... Um, Firestar. Yes. Yeah. And there, bareheaded and on her knees, will declare that she maliciously set the fire and caused oh the God. said burning, for which she repents and asks forgiveness from the crown and court. And this done, will have her fist severed on a stake erected in front of the said church, following which she will be led by the said executioner in the same tumbrel to the public place to there be bur- bound to the stake with iron shackles and burned alive. Her body then reduced to ashes and cast to the wind. Her belongings taken and remanded to the king, the said accused having previously been subjected to torture in the ordinary and extraordinary ways in order to have her reveal her accomplices. Wow. So um, this honorable amends that it's mentions, this was like kind of a comment, like almost like the, like the ultimate humiliation of you, like walking through the streets naked, you know, with the sign and, you know, you have to go to the cathedral and beg forgiveness and all this kind of stuff. Um, that was kind of common, but um, oh my god, she uh, she made an appeal. I, I don't I don't know what exactly was said or if it was like if, if it was like to the same judge or a different one. But after her appeal, the sentence was reduced somewhat in its severity, but, but still death. Yes, still death. So she wouldn't have her hand chopped off. She would be hanged instead of burned alive. And um, carried through the streets. Um, Okay. But before that, she would be tortured. And this is like government-sanctioned torture. This was actually like they could like put in a request to be able to torture her. In order to get her to reveal her accomplices, because they believed yeah. that she didn't act alone, she thought that they thought that Claude was in on it. Mm-hmm. But um, so she was set to be tortured, even though she's already condemned to hang. They mm-hmm. want her to confess. Yeah. So before the hanging, <sighs> she would be tortured with the brodekins. I don't know what that means. It's the boots. They call it the boots. Where, um, you ready? No. So the boot, you sit on a bench, a small bench. You have like on each leg, two boards, one on either side. And then they're tightly bound, like with rope, mm-hmm. kind of like, um, like attached stocks. between and just like tightened, like mm-hmm. really tight attached. But then they're also like tied to like together. Oh, so you're sitting and then and then they in between the two they put a stake of wood like what like the you know like the narrow like it's really narrow on one end and then gets wider right so they stick it in there and then they bang it in with a mallet or mm-hmm. like a hammer and basically it crushes your legs and after one stake is in there then they'll add more until it basically it just crushes your legs mm-hmm. and breaks the bones to bits um until until you confess Oh my God. Like how many people wouldn't confess with that? That's so of course she confesses. This entire world was created by psychopaths. Like I'm convinced that everyone. And just in like looking up, I wanted to get clarification on the boots and kind of get an illustration of what they looked like. And uh, so I searched like, you know, the boot method of torture or whatever. And all that comes up is like all these images of like medieval torture devices and things. I was like, I can't even look at it. I can't even look at it. And like, there's just so many. There were so many. 
Oh my god! Different ways of tor- and instruments of torture. It's just like, why? Because this entire society was founded by psychopaths. Yeah. You just always have to have a way to inflict pain, I guess. I don't know. So she was hanged and uh, her body was left hanging for, I think it was just a few hours. It wasn't like an extraordinary long time. But um, regardless. Regardless. Today, uh, her guilt is not widely accepted. There's uh, some speculation, like I said, that it could have been the neighbor girl um, who accidentally started it. Or, I mean, it could, honestly, it could have just been any number of houses on that street I mean, with an was... accidental kitchen fire. Like, Ugh. just because she was a rebellious slave. It was the 1800s. Make... Yeah. Everything was flammable. Yes. And fires happen all the time. And if it was just a little fire and it was just that house, nobody would have, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But just because it got so big. Yeah. That all of a sudden it turns into this big viral thing. Um, So today she's looked on as a hero um, due to her, just her, that indomitable spirit of fighting back. Well, she under torture, but that doesn't yeah. count in my book. Oh, hell no. No. So she, she maintained her innocence throughout the entire trial. Um, yeah. So uh, I admire her because of her reviews, refusal to break. Yeah. You know, and standing up to the establishment in her own small way because... The, the fight for abolition was just, it was so far off. Like at this point in yeah. time, it's so far off in the future that like, it's not even like there's any, any light at the end of the tunnel yeah. at all. Um, like she couldn't see any other, like this was the only way that she knew how to fight back was to just be a terrible slave. But you know what? It blows my mind. Cause it's like, if you're a bad employee, They'll fire you, and they'll and you'll be on your own to go like find work somewhere else. Yeah. So, where's like why not just just logically speaking, wouldn't it be like, oh, you're a bad slave. We need to let you go, and you can go off on your own and do your own thing. Like I know, I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Three hundred years ago, I'm not. I'm not trying to convince anyone. I'm just saying, like, like logically, would you? Why would you want her as your Slave, if she's not a good one. Well, she didn't want her. That's why she was going to sell her. Yeah, but your husband wanted to give her freedom or said that he would give her freedom. So, yes, but then she couldn't have the money. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying. It was all about money. I know. Just like everything is today. But if she's only worth a few pounds of gunpowder. But still, it's money. (laughs) Oh my God! I will never understand. No, I'll this never is, understand. This is like the whole issue of slavery. It just, I, I don't get it. Like I'm just, I'm reading a story. I have compassion for this girl. I feel like horrible just reading about like what she went through. Mm-hmm. I have no concept whatsoever what it would be like to be in that situation. Yeah, it, it, I, it's so far beyond my perception of what. And yet, being a human is all about. Yeah. I just, yeah, it just blows my mind. And but I, I, she's a total badass. Still very much alive. Today, I know. Which, yeah, I mean, it blows my mind. But, um, total badass. And um, it's that's she a should very be sad. She story. Should be exon- I don't like this story. She should be exonerated. I know. <laughs> I know. It is a very sad story. I wanted to share it though because she is a. A sort of a hero of the, um, I don't know. Abolition movement? Yeah, I, just because of her refusal to. Yeah. of this. I knew nothing about Canadian slavery in that sense. Me neither. Wow. I mean, I had no doubt. Like, I knew, I knew that Canada had slavery in the past. I didn't know any stories about it, and I didn't know any, I had no understanding of it. Like, I didn't know what it looked like in any regard, you know? So No, me neither. 
And and that's another reason why I wanted to share her story because people need to hear it. Yeah. You need to know that. And Canadians aren't so sweet and innocent. (laughs) No, we have a very, very tainted history in the way that we treat people in this country. Oh, we can be assholes. We are... If we want to, we're just uh, more quiet about it. Yeah. We have a very friendly veneer. We're really good at sweeping things under the rug, too, and just not actually talking about things. Like, seriously, that's our entire culture. It's like, like shh, we know it happened, but shh, we just don't If we talk don't about talk it. about it, it didn't actually yeah, exactly. happen. <laughs> that's the key. You don't talk about it, and then that means it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> don't write it in the history books, and then the future generations will never know. And then it will be as if it never actually did happen. Right? Uh, even though, like, if something starts in one way, that is the foundation of it. And that will always be, that will always permeate through yes. until the very end. So, yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can't hide it. Kind of like the police force. I mean, you, you, still... you can't hide the, the foundations. Yeah. You, you have to, if you, like, if you, want to burn down the house and build the new house on the same foundation. It's still going to have the same relative footprint. You still have the same foundation that you're building. If you really, really want to build a brand new house, you got to dig out the old foundation and put a new foundation in. Yes. Very true. So, yeah. Well, Canada. That's Marie-Joseph Angelique. I think, with as sad as this story is, that she was truly a badass broad absolutely that's why i wanted to include her so totally yeah all right well that was a tough one that was a tough one to hear but also an important story to hear because as white folks if we're not aware of the shit then we can't change it and you know yeah and it's just like it's just one little step um in 1734 towards and she wouldn't obviously didn't know this but it was one little step on the road, on the brick yeah. road, she put one little brick in that road to freedom towards abolition and civil rights and all that kind of stuff that we're still fighting today. But she added her little brick to the mm-hmm. road, and I think that's very, very admirable. And I admire, yeah. and I truly admire her for that. Absolutely, and that actually reminds me of this is sort of unrelated, but I uh, follow this amazing woman on line on socials and she's like really um she's like a, a disabled athlete and so she's like uh she got like a photo shoot and everything and she was so excited about it and then like all the comments below were so negative and so she like posted just this video of her like crying and expressing like look it's great that I'm breaking down barriers in this area but sometimes people don't realize what it's like to be the person breaking down the barriers. Like it still like hurts so much, even though, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, even though she's doing great things and in the future, hopefully we'll be at a place where disabled athletes have the same space and the same respect as able-bodied athletes. But it's like, it's still, it's so hard being that person who is putting that one little brick inside the broad road to freedom. So anyway. uh, Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Anyway. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit like and subscribe and let us know on Instagram at the Badass Broadcast that you like us or hate us. Either way, we'll take it. We'll take your uh, constructive constructive criticism. Um, Yeah. Anyway, as always. See you next Thursday. See you next Thursday.